Amazing, amazing. Like Mark said, my name is Michael, and I'm going to try and stay in one spot tonight, and you may see the legs move a little bit, but I have the privilege of preaching tonight, and if you don't know me a little bit about myself, I am married to the wonderful Crystal Hiddenskog, the beautiful, come on, 100%. I am the father to zero kids. Also, you can clap that. No, joking. Uh, but we are in the series of Ruth. And uh, we in our series called Ruthless, and we are going through the book of Ruth. And to just give you a little bit of a recap, maybe you have a memory like me and you tend to forget things very easily, or you uh, joining us for the first time tonight, we're going to go through a recap. So last week on The Young and the Restless, no, last week in Ruth, uh, we're going through the series and we see Ruth, uh, she is married to a man, Elimelech, and there is famine in the land of Bethlehem. And so what they decide to do is they decide to journey towards Moab, to in search for food, in search of security, in search of comfort. And uh, she is married to Elimelech, but within 10 years, you see the story change dramatically. Uh, she uh, loses her husband. Her two sons also pass away, and they marry a Moabite woman. But they go to this country of Moab, and this country is filled with brokenness. It's filled with depravity. It's filled with sexual immorality. And they actually leave Bethlehem what is called the house of bread, the house of the Lord, to go to Moab. And you see these people who aren't bad people. They're actually good people, but they're making bad decisions and not decisions based on faith. But what happens is they decide to go back to uh, Bethlehem. Naomi travels back, and she comes with her two daughters-in-law, uh, Ruth and Orpah. It is an anagram for Oprah, if you're an astute reader of the word. Um, but she goes back to Bethlehem, and she says, to her daughters-in-law, why don't you go back to your homeland? And Orpah, maybe a little bit too quickly, jumps at that and goes, okay, I'm going to go. But Ruth actually clings to Naomi and clings to the promises of God. And she uh, travels back with Naomi towards Bethlehem. And for uh, a long story short, she finds herself in the field of Boaz, who is a relative of Naomi, and she gleans in the field. And for us who may not know that culture, is gleaning was something to protect the poor, it was something to provide for the poor, and it was in God's culture, it was in God's law, so that the very least were cared for, the very least were in the kingdom of God and were provided for. And what that meant is that when they took the harvest of the wheat, there would be uh, a bunch of wheat left over on the ground, a bunch of grain left over on the ground, and they were commanded not to pick it up so that these gleaners, so that the poor and the destitute could come behind them and pick them up so that they had something. And Ruth finds herself in Boaz's field. And we are going to look at Boaz tonight. Big Bo, as someone uh, may, may say, Bo and the Beautiful. You may have seen that program. No, that's Bold and the Beautiful for those who are, let's say, mature in age. Um, but we're going to look at Boaz tonight. And so we find ourselves in Ruth chapter 4. And you can turn in your Bibles. And this is a story of redemption. And we see Ruth here. She finds herself in Boaz's field. She pursues Boaz and shows him that she has an intention to marry. And then Boaz starts doing something. He starts acting as a kinsman redeemer. And that word is very important, but we'll get to that later. But I'm going to read for us in Ruth chapter 4, 1 to 12. Turn, turn to it in your Bibles or follow with me on the screen. It says this. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. 
I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you abide in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. So this guy jumps at it, and he says, I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have brought Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilon, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your presence here. I just pray that your spirit will pour out, but I pray that we see you with fresh eyes, Lord, that we see you as a redeeming God, a God who pursued us from the very beginning, a God who gets into our mess, our brokenness, and redeems it for your purposes and for your glory, Lord. I pray that no matter where people are tonight, that they will see you in fullness, Lord, that they will have a touch from heaven, Lord, and that you will shape and transform hearts this evening. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Now, something to understand in this culture, there's a very important thing, and it's called the family redeemer or the kinsman redeemer, as you will see in your scriptures. And what that means is there is the Hebrew word called goel, and it means to redeem, to buy back, or to receive something. So, Boaz is the family redeemer. He can redeem, buy back, or receive something. And what this means in that culture is God actually made it in their laws so that the poor, the destitute, those who were on the outside could receive favor, could receive an inheritance. So the family redeemer had three jobs. If there was a relative who was sold into slavery, he could buy back that relative and bring freedom to his name and to his family. If there was a piece of land that a relative lost or could not afford, he could buy back that piece of land and redeem it so that it didn't just go to some random person. It stayed in the family's name and there was an inheritance. And we need to understand that an inheritance in the Jewish culture is so important. It was their legacy. It is what they live for because an inheritance showed God's favor in their story. And see, the Israelite man can also redeem uh, a, his brother's widow. So if his, if his brother died and there was a widow, he could redeem that family by marrying uh, the widow and carrying on the family's name and the family's legacy. So we see this thing as the kinsman redeemer. It's not something that we may be familiar with, but it's something that's so important in the story. And Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. He had a job to fulfill. He could easily cast it aside, but he had a job to fulfill. And so I want to say is that Boaz takes up this mantle as the kinsman redeemer in the story, but we'll see a bit later that there's also another kinsman redeemer. There's one that's actually closer in bloodline to Naomi than Boaz, but we'll get to that later. But in this book of Ruth, in this story of the kinsman redeemer, we see this theme of redemption. 
And I want to say, if you leave with one thing tonight, is leave with that we have a redeeming God who pursues us, who fights for us, and who chose us from the beginning. See, there's the story of redemption, is that uh, redeeming, or to be redeemed, means that we were ransomed or our debt was paid off. Not partially, but in full. And so I want to say is that whatever is holding you hostage tonight, whatever is holding you bondage, that has been paid for full. And that little sound in the background is actually, it's a symbol of your debt being paid in full. There we go. That's what happens when the transaction goes, when you realize, yeah. anyway. But redemption is a pursuit. And that brings me to my first point, moving swiftly along. Redemption is a pursuit. And for those who are young, you may not know what it means to pursue a lady, but I'm going to share the greatest love story of all, the greatest story of a man pursuing a wood, woman, and it is my own. Thank you very much. Not Boaz, is my own. And um, what you may not know about me is that I am a very skinny white man. Um, yeah, I know. Who, who knew? Who knew? I'm trying, I tried to keep it secret for so long, but I finally wanted to take the mask off before you guys. Um, but uh, I pursued my beautiful wife, and you can ask her, she was swept away from the very beginning that she laid eyes on me. Yeah, 100%, there we go. I didn't tell her to say that, it's fine. But I pursued her, and um, uh, I didn't want to date at first, um, but then she, she caught my gaze. And while I was playing the cello one day, I realized, yeah, I know, I know, while I was playing the cello on stage, I was worshiping, but then suddenly I stopped worshiping and I just stared into the audience. And it looked a little bit creepy at first, and then I realized, no, I need to carry on worshiping. But I realized that I couldn't take my eyes off her. So I went on this journey and I chatted to some people, and I chatted to Jacques, and he gave me these uh, very astute words, and he said, Michael, always be closing. And what that means is uh, many, many guys come up to the deal, but they don't close it. So I got many words of encouragement, and I mustered up the encouragement, and I decided I'm going to tell this woman that I have feelings for her. And I mustered up the encouragement, uh, the, the courage one day, and I went to her house, and I was about to uh, go into it. I was about to say my speech when I just hear a knock at the door. I'm like, this is a little bit odd. We're supposed to be alone. We're supposed to be enjoying a cup of tea, and I'm going to woo her so she becomes my wife. What's going on here? A knock at the door appears, and it is one of her best friends who was my colleague. And there's that moment when I look her in the eyes, and she looks in the eyes, and we both know what's going on here. But then she just walks straight on in and plants herself on the couch. I'm like, well, all my plans are dashed. <laughs> but I eventually, uh, we go home, and uh, Crystal gives me a lift home, and then I must have the courage again, and I decide I'm going to tell her. And I had this plan, I had this whole strategy, I worked it out with friends, and I say, look, I want to honor you as a woman, I want to share my feelings because I don't want to uh, get together under false pretenses, I have feelings for you. And I, I, I heard angels in the background, I heard string instruments, and then I heard the words, I don't feel the same way. <laughs> but I didn't give up, and she said, look... Because you had the courage to tell me, I'm going to give you a chance. And then I knew I had a foot in the door. But for some of you, you may not be at that stage of pursuing someone, but it's this relentless pursuit. It's this pursuit that doesn't take no for an answer, and it's a pursuit that doesn't uh, depend on the circumstances. And now I have a beautiful wife. Come on, that is God's grace. 
But why I tell that story is that Boaz is pursuing Ruth from the beginning. There's this beautiful uh, part in um, chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, Why have I found such favor in your eyes, Ruth asked Boaz, that you may notice me, a foreigner. That word notice actually means to inquire of. It means to recognize in favor, to recognize in standing. And so Boaz pursues Ruth from the beginning because he has eyes. He has eyes to see. And that is a picture of our God. And I want to say, if you do not know who Boaz is, Boaz is a picture of Jesus. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more, but he has eyes to see, and there's no one who's outside the gaze of God. See, Boaz takes up the task of the kinsman redeemer, and there's this beautiful theme in the book of Ruth, and it's called chesed. Can you say this with me? You're going to need to get a little bit of flame in the back of your throat. Okay, it's chesed. Beautiful. One more time. Chesed. Love it. But what this means is everlasting kindness. It is an unwavering commitment to show everlasting kindness or steadfast love. And it is a picture of God's steadfast love for us that is permanent and never changing. It isn't dependent on what you do or what you have done. It isn't dependent on your circumstance, your status, or your social uh, demographic. It is just dependent on who God is. There's this picture of chesed. It is this kindness which permeates every part of the book of Ruth. Every story in this book is one of chesed, showing grace, showing kindness, showing compassion to another. So we see this, and with the greatest chesed, the greatest compassion, Boaz pursues Ruth and Naomi. See, he could have just waited for the other guardian redeemer to do something. He could have just waited, but as soon as Ruth shows her intention to marry Boaz, he starts moving and he starts going on the process to redeem Naomi and Ruth. See, for Boaz, it wasn't just a redemption of land, it was redemption of a person. And Boaz is a picture of God who doesn't care about our circumstances. He cares about our hearts, and he wants to redeem that in full. So I want you to know tonight that redemption pursues you. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, maybe even last night. Redemption pursues you. See, Boaz realized what he was redeeming Naomi and Ruth from. Because of this chesed, this love and kindness, he was redeeming them from their lack. He was redeeming them from a future that was outside, redeeming them from a future that had no inheritance, and he brought them into a story with one of legacy, one of inheritance, and one of favor before God. Why? Because he stood in the gap, and he decided that he would take up this mantle of kinsman redeemer, even when the person who was nearer to them would not. And see, we are not Boaz. But we can be like him and we can walk as he did and walk in his steps and his footsteps and model our behavior on him. See, we aren't Boaz because we aren't God, but we can be like him. And so this story is one of redemption. And I want to say is, will you be a kinsman redeemer in people's stories? I had the privilege of being a groomsman at one of my best friend's wedding around a month ago. And I also had the privilege of being at his baptism three years before that. But uh, our story started way before then, and I've been friends with him for many years. But he was that friend that I said would never get saved. He would never encounter God. Why? Because he had all the answers. Whenever you mentioned Jesus' name, he had a rebuttal. He had a whole thesis planned out to refute that. 
But what I didn't know about my friend is that actually he was struggling with a whole bunch of loneliness. He was struggling with a whole bunch of things. And that he went into a life of alcohol. He went into a life of depravity just searching for some sort of hope, some sort of joy. And it came to a culmination when he asked me uh, if I would take him to church. And as a good Christian man, I completely ignored him. Because I thought this man would never encounter God. And I went by my way. But now I had the privilege of being a groomsman at his wedding. And I would not step in the gap at that point. But other people did. Other people got into his mess. Other people got into his brokenness. Invited him to church. And he encountered the grace and the love of God. And his life was shaped and transformed so much so that he is now married to the, daughter, uh, the sister-in-law of Gabriel Phillips. And it's that God takes a broken situation, even when we aren't willing, and He redeems that for His purposes, for His glory, for His plans. But we get to partner with that. See, are you going to be like Boaz, or will you be like me or the other kinsman redeemer who would not step into the gap of people's lives? See, there are people waiting. There are people with broken situations. There are people that need you to show the love of Christ, need you to show the chesed of God, the loving kindness that never stops, the loving kindness that pursues them. Why? So that they can encounter His love and fullness. See, we need to walk in Boaz's steps because there is this other kinsman redeemer. We never know His name. We don't hear anything about Him afterwards. And that's, that's the Bible for you. We never know this guy's name again, but we do know Boaz. And so firstly, redemption pursues. Secondly, redemption is a promise. Once this kinsman, other kinsman redeemer learns that he has to marry Ruth, he says, I'm out. At first, he's like, I will redeem the land. I will buy it. I'm going to get more inheritance. I'm going to get a bigger property. I will buy it. But as soon as he learns that he has to marry Ruth, the Moabite, a woman from Moab who is from this land of depravity, he says, I'm out. And we don't know his motives. We don't know all these things. But he decides that actually he will not uh, redeem it. Why? Because it will endanger his estate. How often do we do that, myself included? It will cost too much time. It will cost too much effort. It's not convenient for me to get stuck in the brokenness. See, this is an amazing man. His name is Jacques, and you would have met him, but there's a recovery group on a Monday night which happens every Monday. And this man gets into broken situations. He gets into people's lives. Why? Because he has encountered the grace of God, and his story has been redeemed. And that is why we step into the gap, because we have been redeemed. We cannot be redeemers if we not have experienced redemption. I want to say that again. We cannot be redeemers if we have not experienced redemption first. So this kinsman redeemer decides, no, I'm out. He has 99 problems and Ruth ain't one. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know, if you know those lyrics, I'll uh, spit it for you later. But see, redemption is a promise. And what Boaz does is he chooses to redeem Naomi. But redemption just doesn't stop at what you need. Redemption just doesn't stop at maybe your lack or what you think needs to be redeemed. See, God's redemption goes much further. God's redemption goes much further than that, what you think you need. There is a legacy. There is an inheritance 
attached to his redemption in our lives. See, we see this wonderful legacy attached to Boaz. And what he says in verse 11, it says this, Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in a pathratha and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. See, redemption isn't just the headline of the story. It is your story. We see this, thing, uh, this person called Judah and this, uh, these people called Perez and Tamar. And this is really important in the story because the prophets foretold that through the tribe of Judah, Jesus would come. See, this is so important that they mention Judah. Why? Because it foreshadows a greater Messiah. It foreshadows a greater king. It foreshadows a person who would not only redeem them, but the whole entire world. And what they are saying is that your story is not going to stay here. Your story isn't going to be one of a piece of land that is bought. Your story is going to be one of inheritance that stretches for generations and eternity to come. See, Boaz's acts, Boaz's act of hesed leads to Jesus. Boaz's act of loving kindness in someone's story leads to Christ. So who are these people called Perez and Tamar? So essentially, Tamar was uh, the product of an incestuous relationship. And the twins were born to Judah and Tamar. And uh, it was a product of a father and a daughter-in-law. And so it starts in brokenness, it starts in depravity, and I'm not going to get to the whole genealogy this week, but what it means is the twins are born, and at first they tie a scarlet cord around one of the twins' legs, and they say this is going to be the firstborn, and that is Zerah, it means rising or dawn. But actually, the other child reaches past Zerah, and his name is called Perez, and Perez means breakthrough. See, Perez was never meant to be the firstborn. Perez was never meant to inherit an inheritance. The firstborn would inherit an inheritance that stretched for generations to come. But Perez breaks through and brings breakthrough to a people. See, we want a king who is like Zerah. We want a king who is rising. We want a king who is going to conquer everyone for us, who is going to conquer our enemies. But actually, God uses the unlikely stories. He uses the Ruths. He uses the Naomi's. He uses the Perez's to bring breakthrough. And Jesus is the greatest Perez because he is a God who was the unlikely. He was a God who came as the Son of Man in humility and died on the cross for us. I want to say if you need breakthrough, if you need redemption for your sin, maybe for your finances, for your marriage, whatever you need redemption for tonight, sir or ma'am, will you hold on to the God of breakthrough? This brings me to my third point. Firstly, redemption pursues. Secondly, redemption is a promise. And thirdly, redemption has a price. See, redemption has a price attached to it. Boaz had to pay for the land in order to redeem Ruth and Naomi. But there's a greater price. There's our sin. There's our brokenness. But Jesus paid the price for us on the cross. See, Jesus pursues us with redemption. 
Jesus promises us redemption, and Jesus has paid the price for your redemption. Jesus, from the beginning, chose you. He chose you, and He has chosen to redeem us, no matter our brokenness, no matter our baggage, no matter our history. He chooses to redeem us, just as Boaz chose to redeem Naomi and Ruth. That is the gospel that should stir our hearts. Why? Because we are not separate from His love. His chesed, His love and kindness permeates every part of your story. The dirty parts, the parts we try and keep hidden, the parts that we don't want anyone to see, His loving kindness pours in and redeems us for His goodness and His grace and His purposes so that there will be a legacy. It says this in Ephesians 1 verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in according with the riches of God's grace. See, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. He has redeemed you from your trespasses and sin. From every past sin, He has redeemed you. He has redeemed you from a life of futile ways, a life that is in bondage to sin. And He has redeemed you for His possession. See, Jesus has not just redeemed you from something. He has redeemed you for something. You're not just away from your futile sin. You have eternity with Him because He is the greater Redeemer. And so I want to say tonight, can we have the keys, please? Beautiful. That's what happened when I pursued Crystal. Will you allow God's chesed to fill you? God chooses to redeem us. God chooses to pursue us. And God has paid the price on the cross for us. Will you allow God's chesed to fill your heart tonight? See, we all have a choice. We can choose the ultimate redeemer, or we can choose the nearer kinsman redeemer who looks good on the onset, who looks like he can fight for us, but who actually will just lead to brokenness, who will lead to nothing, because there is a greater Redeemer. There is the ultimate Redeemer, and His name is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus has the power to redeem you. Jesus is willing to redeem you. Jesus has paid the price in full and has received your redemption, and your redemption is yours tonight in Jesus. You have to do nothing to achieve it. You just need to receive it. Jesus has paid the price in full. Your debt has been paid. No matter what you have done, no matter what you will do, your debt is paid in full. It is full. It is perfect. It is complete. It cannot be other, otherwise because He is the ultimate Redeemer.